Welcome back to the Victoria Police Recruitment Podcast. Today we're going to be discussing an alternative role to the police officer role, which is Protective Services Officer. Today I'm joined by PSOs George Weinberg and Vicky Scoopers. Thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. Welcome. Very excited to be here. Fantastic. So PSO stands for Protective Services Officer. And before we start talking about the role itself, I'd love to know what inspired you both to become PSOs. Vicky, we heard a little bit about what inspired you mm-hmm. in the previous episode. Yes. So maybe I'll start with you, George. Well, um, I've, been, I've been a PSO for nearly three years now. For a long time, I worked in advertising. That was kind of where I started and built my career. But I just got to a point one day where I thought, I feel like in my mind, I've kind of done everything I wanted to do in my career in advertising. I was just past 40. Uh, and I started to look for something where I thought I wanted to give something back to the community. I wanted to work in a, in a community environment and kind of felt like everything I'd always done had been mostly for me. But now I thought maybe it was time to kind of give a little bit back to the community that, you know, that I live as part of and, you know, have been part of for my whole life. So, you know, I, I thought about what sort of environments there were, um, whether it would be something like, a, you know, a paramedic or a firefighter or a police officer, and then found the role of PSO on the Victoria Police website. And kind of as I read through it, I went, this just sounds like the ideal job for me. It sounds really perfect. It kind of matched everything that I wanted to kind of get out of a job in theory. The terms of it, the shifts, uh, everything worked really well for me. What was required was good. The pay scale looked really good as well. And so sort of took the leap that night there and then, uh, did the online application, haven't looked back since. So, you know, I kind of got the ball rolling and then just, you know, as I hit go on every part of the application, um, I was just so eager waiting to hear back from Victoria Police saying, you know, here's the next step, here's the next step, here's the next step, and hopefully not the opposite. Uh, yeah, and I, as I said, I haven't looked back. I've, I've enjoyed every single day. I really have enjoyed every single day of my almost three years in the organisation, and I look forward to the rest of my time with Victoria Police. Amazing. And Vicky, you mentioned that your husband um, inspired you a little bit to become a PSO. Is it something you'd always wanted to do? Yeah, I always uh, dreaming a policing career, and but just I never thought that it's time like um especially after I got married and got the kids I didn't really have time for my dreams I was more like about the kids and the family but yeah after after 2014 when my husband joined and I saw how amazing it is to be a police officer or PSO it made me made me to think yeah no that's the time now I have to pursue my dream so the PSO is a policing role based primarily at train stations. However, with recent changes, you'll also find PSOs at major events like sporting events. PSOs do shift work, which are generally 10 hours. What does a typical shift look like for you and how do you manage your work-life balance? Vicky, I know you've got a family. Is it a challenge shift working, especially your husband and you both working in Victoria Police? It was at the start, yeah. We had to adjust and find our way and plan our life around the work. Uh, but definitely it's worth it. And this career, especially the PSO role, offers our amazing work-life balance. I was always uh, complaining that I don't have enough time for myself, where now I've got plenty of time. Most of my mornings are free for myself and what I want to do. I've got time to go to the gym. I've got time to meditate. I've got time to even clean my house without having someone running around me. Around me. And plus having three days off per week, that gives me plenty of time to be with my family and having uh, time with them. 
And George, you also have a family. So do you resonate with what Vicky's saying? Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I think it's kind of an odd concept to think that, I mean, we work consistently in an 80-hour fortnight, which is a lot of hours, but I've never felt like I have more free time in my life. The nature of the work we do is I, I don't think about work before I get to work. I don't usually think about work after, you know, I leave work unless there's been something sort of major's happened that's kind of, you know, I'm thinking a little bit over. But as Vicky said, I got all the days off. I feel like I have more time with my kids than I ever had. You know, when I used to work in advertising, I was always thinking about work. I was always checking my emails at home. You know, in this job, I, like I physically can't check my emails at home. People don't ring you when you're not at work. Uh, everything can wait till you get back to work. You know, you manage your own workload with things that you might need to do above and beyond what you sort of rostered to do every day. Um, but no, it's fantastic. And what does a typical shift look like? Is there such a thing as a typical shift for PSOs? Each shift will start and finish the same way, basically, but uh, the middle bit, you don't know what's going to happen. So for every shift, we come to the police station, we get into our gear, we get our uniform on, grab all our equipment. Then we'll find out the allocation of where we're going to work and who we're going to work with. We'll get briefed by the sergeant as to things we need to look out for that day, sort of having a safety briefing that happens every shift. But basically, once we leave the station and we head out to our train station, uh, that's where the predictability ends. So we're there at each station until the end of the train, until the last train goes, until the last commuter goes home. And then we go back to the police station to debrief. For me, that's what I love about this job as well. Not knowing what's going to happen every shift and every day, always having a different partner, having a different station and just, you know, always being on my toes. Yeah, excellent. It sounds like every day is different, but it's good to know there is, you know, that predictability as well. So you can plan your life around it. And just going back to what you guys were both saying about the work-life balance, it's really great to hear that you both find that the job does allow for a good balance between work and finding time for yourself and family. And speaking of flexible working conditions, there have actually been recent developments which allow you to now apply to work part-time immediately. So that means not needing to pass a probationary period first. As a part-time PSO, you will be rostered on for a minimum of 40 hours per fortnight and you'll complete your training full-time at the academy for 12 weeks. This provides further flexibility in the role and is great for work-life balance. Now, the recruitment process for PSOs is very similar to police. However, there are some key differences. The entrance exam passing marks are slightly lower for PSOs and you will not be required to swim in the fitness test. I'd love to know, what was your experience with the exam and was it hard to go back to studying? Vicky, I'll start with you. Yeah, it was a bit hard to get back to study, especially if you consider that 1998 was the last time that I was in a class environment, plus having English as a second language and have to learn about all those law and read the law books and everything. Uh, Yeah, it was. But I think you need to be committed and have the support of your family. Um, I think the hard work pays off. And uh, not forget to mention that the support that we're receiving from the academy and instructors and the peers, it's, it's amazing. That's fantastic to hear. And it's really great to hear there is so much support available. And, you know, the lecturers and teachers really want you to succeed. Now, compared to police, uh, PSOs will spend a little bit less time at the academy. So rather than 31 weeks, they'll spend 12 weeks. So I've heard a little bit about what your time was like studying, but what was your time like at the academy in general? How did you find it? Um, Yeah, at at the start was a little bit intimidating, like have to be around stranger people and not know what to do and everything. But uh, day by day was uh, slightly easier. Um, now those stranger people are some of them especially are my best friends uh, friends for life should I say Um, yeah and all those new skills that we we learned and um, 
not only the new skills, but you you discovering things about yourself. You discovering abilities and skills that you never thought that you've got. And yeah, I, I loving it. I loved it. I was really excited from the very first time I yeah. came into the police academy. Um, I loved coming to the academy. I didn't live in the academy. I lived close enough that I just commuted back and forth. Um, I'm not a morning person, so it was tough getting up early in the morning to be here for my classes, but I'm proud to say I was never late. It was an exciting experience for me. Uh, I was lucky enough to be the squad leader, um, so I had a little bit of extra responsibility, which I was very happy to take on, and I had an excellent deputy squad leader. I was learning a lot, but I was making a, a difference with other people, and it was really, really an enjoyable time at the academy. And I, re- I really, really enjoyed it. And it sounds like it's, you know, it can be an intense, but it's also a supportive environment. And something we often talk about is the police family. Vicky, is that something you relate to? Oh, yeah. Um, uh, six months ago, I was in need of uh, assistance and I found this assistance from my colleagues and my sergeants. Um, six months ago, uh, I came to know that my sister is terminally ill and she only has had three to four weeks. Um, as you understand, being in Australia and knowing that something goes wrong at your mother country, uh, it's a bit overwhelming. And yeah, uh, it was it, it was too much for me. Uh, I had to, to take uh, care of certain things, and one of those things was my job. Uh, so I contacted my, one of my sergeants. Uh, as soon as I said to him what's going on uh, in my life, uh, he turned and he said, "Okay, Vicky, you don't have to worry about." the job. You don't have to worry about the leave. Just organize whatever you have to do, uh, tickets, you know, what to do with your kids. Let everything else on us and we'll find everything, sort everything for you. And that was a big relief. Like it took weight from my shoulders. And not only for myself, it was same for my husband because I left and I went to Greece and I left my husband here with two kids. And he he got the support as well. Uh, he he picked to work what he wants to work. He got extra extra days off. I, I've I've been in the workforce since I was eighteen years old. Now I'm thirty nine years old. Uh, I never found this support before. Yeah, it must have been a you know a very difficult time, and it must have felt like a big relief to not have to worry about work while you're dealing with really stressful things. Yes, it was. I'd love to know what's been a rewarding experience as a PSO, George. Um, so I remember back a story that happened at um, Ashburton Station. Uh, we had the second last train come in and we saw from right down the end of the platform there was a guy sort of stumbled off and head straight to a bench and then head straight to a bin. And as we approached, uh, we could see he was feeling quite unwell. Bit of a chat to him and realised that it was his, uh, it was his first big um, university event. Uh, young guy, 19, had a bit too much to drink and wasn't feeling good. Sat with him, you know, had welfare concerns for him. We could just see he wasn't going to get any better and there was no way he was going to be able to get himself home from the station. Got his phone, got in contact with his parents, you know, speaking to them very nicely, reassuring them nothing wrong other than he's a little bit under the weather and needs a hand to get home. His parents came down. They were lovely, very friendly, very appreciative of us looking out for him and getting him home. Sent him home and thought that was the end of it. Came to work the next day. My sergeant called me in and uh, handed me an envelope which had a handwritten letter of thanks from this young chap. He'd gone home. When he'd woken up that morning, feeling a little bit worse for wear, um, reflected on the day and wanted to write us a letter to say, look, thank you for looking out for me. I'm sorry with the way I behaved. It's not your job to kind of babysit me, but I appreciate you guys were there. I don't know what would have happened if you weren't there. I don't know how I would have got home. I'm not usually like this. He went to great lengths to explain he's not that kind of guy. But, you know, we don't judge people in that way anyway. It's all about welfare. And brought us a box of chocolates just to say thank you. And, you know, for me, uh, it was something nice and unexpected to get. Um, you know, I always think of my senior sergeant at the academy who said, nobody joins Victoria Police for the thanks 
but it's very nice when you do get thanked for something. And so, you know, that that was a really nice moment. I've still got that that sort of uh, handwritten letter sits in my locker just to remind me sometimes. And it was a really nice um, – it reinforced for me that I was kind of doing what I wanted to do. And the reason that I got into this job, you know, that I was making the difference that I was hoping to make. Yeah, it's such a nice story. And like you said, you don't do it for the thanks, but it must be really nice when you do get those thanks and you get that appreciation. And what about you, Vicky? Have you yeah. had a rewarding experience? Yeah, it's really nice when people thank you. Uh, this is what happened with me. Uh, I was on the platform and uh, a dad approached me and thanked me for looking after his son and making uh, his son feel safe. And being a parent, I know the worries that a parent may have. So on the flip side, I'd also love to know what have you found challenging in the role? Oh, for me, it was my first day on the actually job, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still remember my first day at South and Cross. I was so proud to be in uniform. But when I reached South and Cross and I realized that that's it, we are not in the academy environment anymore. And now we have to deal with normal people and not with instructors. Yeah, it was a bit difficult. Uh, I felt like knew nothing, overwhelmed, uh, but I had the support from our coaches and uh, the sergeants uh, and, of course, the, the squad mates. They were there. Yeah, I can imagine that first day would be very nerve-wracking. And George, what about you? Have you had any challenges you've faced? Yeah, I think that there's always a constant challenge, particularly when we see someone who's not doing the right thing. My partner and I have always been able to use communication to achieve our objectives. I've never had to go hands-on in a very forceful situation or anything like that uh, and achieve the objective of whatever the reason for the engagement was and adapting and changing uh, as the situation adapts and changes in front of us. And communication is something that we've been talking about a lot in this series, actually. Vicky, how important are communication skills to what you do? Oh, it's really important. And as George said before, uh, a good communication can make your life easier, can make your job easier, or otherwise can make your job nightmare. Uh, with good communications, uh, you can build trust. You can build trust with the public or even with your colleagues. Good communication is not only about how we speak, which words we use. It's many elements, active listening, body language, everything. So, yeah, good communication skills are really important in our role. And you both obviously love what you're doing, but have either of you ever considered making the change to police? Um, do you know, I, I love being a PSO. Hopefully that comes across in this podcast. <laughs> um, but sometimes I, I do sort of think and feel like I might want to uh, switch across. And Vicky, what about you? Yeah, I really enjoy what I'm doing currently. I'm working as a PSO for only 13 months, uh, but I know myself. I'm always seeking for uh, new challenges. I'll definitely cross over in some states. At the moment, I'm trying to get more experience on this role. Yeah, and I'll definitely cross over because one of the other things that I would love to do is to join Highway Patrol. I think PSO is a really great way to gain exposure to policing. And it is a very specific role itself in Victoria Police. But if you do decide later to go on to become a police officer, there is a pathway that you can take to make that crossover. Correct. So, George, what advice do you have for anyone who is thinking about a career as a PSO? First thing I'd say is go to a train station and speak to a PSO. We love people coming and talking to us. I mean, it's kind of what we're there for. The next thing I guess I do is jump on the Victoria Police website and just read up everything you can about it. There's lots of information about the recruitment process. Um, 
once you've done all that, if you kind of feel like it's the right role, the next thing is just apply. Um, so if, you, if you're keen to do it, just start now. Like as soon as this, in fact, pause the podcast and jump onto the website yeah, and yeah. start reading up right now. Don't even, <laughs> wait till don't even wait till we finish speaking and then come back and hear what we have to say at the end of it. <laughs> Great advice. And, and Vicky, what advice do you have for people? Um, yeah, same. Uh, if you feel like uh, you're suitable for this role, if you are ready to commit, then go for it. As George said, yeah, hit the pause and just go and start your application. It's worth it. And it's the most rewarding career that I, that it's really rewarding career. Can I just add something as well is that I, I spent a couple of months, I did a secondment within Victoria Police working with the applicant attraction team, the marketing side to kind of, you know, get the message out there. And one thing that a lot, or, well, sort of the same messaging that a lot of people came up to me at events where Victoria Police had a stand was to say, oh, I'm too something to join. I'm too old. I'm too short. I'm too tired. I'm too, you know, I haven't got enough of this or I had enough of that. And I would always say to them, don't prejudge yourself because it's not really the case. So get online, uh, empower yourself with knowledge, and then just have a go and, and you know apply today. Fantastic. Really great advice there. And that's it. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank it's, you, Mandy. Yeah. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. It's <laughs> <laughs> been really great to hear about your experiences. So thank you for coming in. And next episode, I'll be joined by PCO Carl Rosevia and Danielle Parsons to talk about the police custody officer role. You've been listening to the Victoria Police Recruitment Podcast. For more information on the recruitment process or how to apply, please visit the Victoria Police Careers website at www.policecareer.vic.gov.au.